open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mugwon Tower, Mugwon Tower, this is Albatross 1-3, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Photon bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. One. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Hello and welcome to the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. I am your host, Dayton Johnson, and I am super excited about this particular episode. We are going to examine how you take down a you know money-grubbing filthy, disgusting, horrible utility company. So I'm excited about that. And to do that with me, I have invited on friends of the show. We have Amber Lewis joining us again. How are you, Amber? Hi, I'm glad to be back. Awesome. And David Burns back again. How's it going, David? It's going great. Thanks. Cool. Glad to have you guys. So uh, before we get into the topic, I do want to do a little, let's call it housekeeping, uh, it helps out if, uh, you like what you're listening to and uh, you've been with us for a while, or this is your first episode, um, on your favorite podcast app, like subscribe, follow rate and review. Um, it helps us out, uh, any feedback positive or negative helps and is, uh, desired. Um, if you want to reach out to us on social media. You can, uh, check us out on Facebook at docking base 77 podcast on Twitter at docking base 77 pod. And if you want to send us an email. DockingBay77podcast at gmail.com. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about the 2000 movie directed by Steven Soderbergh and starring the wonderful Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich. Um, you have no actual training. I have kids. Learned a lot right there. Yeah, and I'm great with people. When I was first out of high school, I got married and had a kid too young. I'm an extremely fast learner. You got a really nice office. Look. You want my number. I do. How about this for number six? That's how old my daughter is. Eight is the age of my son. Two is how many times I've been divorced. Sixteen is the number of dollars I have in my bank account. I'm so glad we got that out of the way, because I didn't find you attractive either. Then we're even. <laughs> I'm smart, I'm hardworking, and I'll do anything, and I'm not leaving here without a job. Don't make me beg. In a law firm, you may want to rethink your wardrobe a little. Well, as long as I have one ass instead of two, I'll wear what I like if that's all right with you. You might want to rethink those ties. Why are there medical records and blood samples in real estate files? Would you mind if I investigate this a little further? What makes you think you can just walk in there and find what we need? They're called boobs, Ed. Can I just... Yeah, just... Exavalent chromium can be very harmful. So it kills people. Oh, yeah. You're a lawyer? Hell no. I hate lawyers. I just work for them. We're going to have to spend a little time filling in the holes in your research. Don't talk to me like I'm an idiot, okay? I think we got off on the wrong foot here. That's all you got, lady. Two wrong feet and ugly shoes. You gotta find a different job or a different guy. For the first time in my life, I got people respecting me. Please don't ask me to give it up. You're emotional, you're erratic, you make this personal, and it isn't. That is my work, my sweat, my time away from my kids. If that's not personal, I don't know what is. 
We're gonna get them, Aaron, aren't we? They're all signed. Every single one. How did you do this? Seeing as how I have no brains or legal expertise, I just went up there and performed 634 sexual favors. I'm really quite tired. $20 million is more money than these people have ever dreamed of. These people don't dream about being rich. They dream about being able to watch their kids swim in a pool without worrying that they'll have to have a hysterectomy at the age of 20. By the way, we had that water brought in special for you folks. Okay, so when, where, and how many times <laughs> did you guys see this movie when it came out? Well, for me, um, I would miss this in the theater. Um, I was going through a phase at that time where I really wasn't a big Julia Roberts fan. I know, I know, don't, don't hate me. <laughs> um, but there was just a period that I just, you know, didn't really watch as many films for her. I will admit she's a very talented actress. Um, so this one kind of passed me in the theater. I waited about a year or two after it came out. And I want to say I caught it like on HBO or something like that. Okay. Um, so I finally sat down on one weekend and decided to watch it and absolutely loved the movie. Um, right. I thought it was very well done. Um, it didn't take me long to get hooked uh, by, you know, Julia Roberts performance, but also the story of it. So, yeah, that's how I uh, discovered this film. Right. How about you, Amber? Um, I also didn't see it in the theater. Um, I love Julia Roberts, but I also am very resistant to people sort of branching out of like the box that I put them in, you know, I kind of feel like stay in your lane. Right. Um, and I felt like I was really being sold too much on, you know, her doing something different. And, mm -hmm. um, but I love Steven Soderbergh. So when it came out on, you know, I can't remember if it was on HBO or what, where I saw it or DVD or whatever, but um, I really watched it for him. Right. Yes. And um, it is it, one of my favorites. Right. I've seen it so many times since then. <laughs> right. See, I was just starting my Steven Soderbergh kick. Um, I missed this in the theater like you guys, um, but I had rented Out of Sight, which I love that freaking movie. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, probably the best performance out of Jennifer Lopez ever. Uh, and then uh, Traffic came out a few years later, saw that, rented that. Fantastic. Um, Yes. Fantastic. Wonderful. And I actually watched that. And then I watched this one and uh, pretty much this kind of really started my whole Steven Soderbergh uh, fascination. Um, you know, uh, Ocean's Eleven. I saw that in the theater, I think three times. And uh, you maybe go back and watch Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And, you know, uh, it's just anything he started, you know, like Contagion, anything had his name on it. Mm -hmm. um, there's that joke that you know, if he made a movie about somebody reading the phone book, I would have watched that too. So, <laughs> you know, he was, um, he was kind of a hot shot, you know, at, at the young age. And uh, yeah, so this is a great movie. I watched it, loved it. Um, I've always been a fan often. Oh, I should say I've been a fan of Julia Roberts, uh, but like you, you know, she was known for her romantic comedies and whatever. So this was a nice change uh, for her. And I really, really enjoyed her performance. So, and we'll get into that as we get into some of the stuff that we like and dislike about it. So, um, before, uh, we get into the movie, we're going to do a little bit of history on some of the people. 
Um, I'm going to go over some stuff about Steven Soderbergh. Uh, one of my favorite directors, actually. So uh, Steven Soderbergh was born in Atlanta, Georgia, January 14th, 1963. So he just had a birthday not too long ago. Um, when he was a teenager, he got into making movies uh, on Super 8 and 16 millimeter cameras. His family moved to Louisiana and he went to Louisiana State University Laboratory School uh, for high school. <laughs> and after he graduated, he moved to Hollywood, like so many people do when they're trying to make it, make movies. Um, his first job was actually a composer for a game show, which is kind of interesting. Um, is. He also held the cue cards for the for the show, so <laughs> you got to do something, right? So you got to start not, somewhere, right? Uh, eventually, he got a job or got work as a freelance editor, which is cool. Um, he actually got uh, a lot of buzz when he directed. Uh, the concert video for the band, yes, uh, 9012 Live, which is pretty cool, and I've seen it. Um, I'm a, both a Yes fan and now a Steven Soderbergh fan at that point. Um, and let's see. And then shortly thereafter, he uh, writes and directs Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Um, you know, it wins uh, the, let's see if I can get it right, the Palme d'Or at uh, Cannes. And he's actually the youngest solo director to win that honor. Uh, it was picked up, of course, by Miramax um, on a budget of a $1 million. It made $36 million, So mm. nice uh, investment. So he was a hot shot. He was like, everybody's really excited about him. And so then he goes in the stretch of uh, making movies nobody saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he makes Kafka, um, King of the Hill, The Underneath, and Schizopolis. Um, most of them weren't very successful. Uh, most of them did not have very good reviews. And so he was kind of struggling. And then of course he met, he makes out of sight, which we already mentioned super awesome. George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Don Cheadle, you know, great movie, yep. uh, makes the limey with Terrence stamp, another good one. And then we get to the movie we're going to talk about Aaron Brockovich and traffic all in the same, he releases those in the same year. And was nominated for Best Director for both movies, which mm -hmm. is really cool. It doesn't happen very often. So that oh, says something. That's tough to do. Yeah, that is tough to do. <laughs> um, and so, of course, he did win Best Director for Traffic. Um, his next one was Ocean's Eleven. Love it. And then he kind of, he just keeps churning them out. Uh, full Frontal. He makes Ocean's 12 and 13, which, eh, well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they can't all be winners, right? No. Uh, and a bunch of other ones, The Good German, Contagion, Girlfriend Experience, which actually now is a series as well, uh, The Informant. And they just started doing more stuff for uh, Cable, including uh, movies like uh, Behind the Camelabra. And then, of course, stuff like uh, The Nick, which I haven't seen. And then uh, recently, uh, Logan Lucky, which is, was, which is a lot of fun, very fun. And of course, you know, Magic Mike, things like that. Mm -hmm. So he uh, definitely hits a variety of stuff with all those movies. Do you guys have a favorite Soderbergh movie? Because I know I do. I have to go with Traffic. Okay. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. And some of it was shot in Cincinnati, too. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Amber? You got a favorite? Um, It's, I feel kind of like I'm not a true fan because this is his popcorn movie, but Ocean's Eleven. I just oh, I love it. Adore. See, I adore it, it too. It's so much fun. Yeah, and I in it's like even if you could be half as cool as Brad Pitt or George Clooney in that movie, that would be yeah. awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was, 
they're just and the funny thing is he wasn't really happy making that movie and i'm like mm-hmm. thinking, but it turned out so damn good you know yep. if you're <laughs> if you're unhappy and made something that good then they're you are just really gifted so yes. anyway and uh full frontal he shot um completely on digital cameras mm-hmm. um i can't remember which one it was but he shot one on an iphone i think it was un uh was unsane yeah i'm not sure but yeah, yeah. he did shoot one yeah yeah he did shoot one completely on an iPhone. So he yep. definitely likes to try new things and and uh, push the envelope of filmmaking, which is totally awesome. Yeah, and, I appreciate that. Yeah, right? Yeah. So um, honestly, yeah, Ocean's Eleven uh, is be neck and neck. Ocean's Eleven and uh, Out of Sight are my two favorites from him. So Nice. Good choices. Movies. Yeah, I think so. And I yeah. own them both. So there you go. <laughs> Let me say something. <laughs> That's right. All right. So uh, before we get to the movie, Amber's going to give us a little bit of information on the real Aaron Brockovich, the inspiration for the movie. What you got for us, Amber? Um, Well, the interesting thing I always like to look up um, when movies are based on a true story, um, you know, the the real life to screen comparison, um, you know, because, of course, there's always going to need to be things left out or you know, truncated or, you know, characters merged and things like that. But um, Aaron Brockovich has consistently said that this movie is 98% accurate. That's awesome. Um, And she jokes that the, the 2% that's not as, you know, of course they had to combine characters. Um, And she says, you know, they said I was Miss Wichita and I was Miss Palm Beach, actually. (laughs) 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 Uh, Kind of. (laughs) poking fun at herself a little bit. Um, but a couple of things that I found um, were interesting. Um, she uh, is dyslexic. Oh. And in the movie, they kind of give you a little throwaway line. She comments to someone, well, I'm a slow reader. Yes, um, to the secretary, yes. Yeah. Hmm. And, um, you know, depending on the degree, dyslexia is quite a hindrance. Yeah, um, it is. And so it explains a lot about um, she did actually the movie kind of portrays her as um, not having any higher education at all. Um, but she did actually get an associate's degree. Um, it was a liberal arts degree, which um, <laughs> my father would say, you know, should come with a sign that says, do you want fries with that? (laughs) (laughs) That's not too far off actually. Right. But education is education and it is valuable. Um, But uh, you know, the fact that she did stop with just an associate degree, quote unquote, um, you know, and the fact that she um, struggled to find, you know, a really decent job, Right. As a single mother, yep. um, you know, I think her dyslexia did factor into that. It is, you know, just another barrier that she um, had to overcome. Um, the, another interesting thing I, that I found was, um, you know, there's all these stories about how movies get made and people, you know, oh, I passed this script to somebody when I was working as a valet or whatever. <laughs> um, well, in the movie, the movie begins with um, Aaron as a single mom with three right. young mm-hmm. children, and she is in a car accident mm-hmm. and um, has damage to her neck and her spine, has to have a couple different surgeries. Well, 
she started going to a chiropractor and was talking to her chiropractor about these lawsuits that she was involved in and the research that she was doing and this, that, and the other. And the chiropractor's other client was the wife of Danny DeVito's producing partner. (laughs) So the chiropractor is telling this other patient, you know, oh, I just, I have this other client who's this really interesting woman. She's investigating blah, blah, blah. And the wife passes it on to her husband who passes it on to his (laughs) producing partner, Danny DeVito. Nice. That's awesome. Found that movie worthy, you know? Right. Um, You got to love those stories. Those are so much fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But so then, you know, they're working to get the movie put together and, you know, and she's still just working at Masri and Vitito as a researcher. Right. Um, And then she worked there until um, Ed Masri passed away in 2005. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then she started working for other law firms as a researcher. Um, And now she has an absolute hoot of a website. (laughs) Um, She is an independent contractor for environmental causes. And so her website is this interesting blend of like self-promotion and kind of her philosophies and what she stands for. And then she also became an author. She wrote two nonfiction books, a self-help book and a book on environmental issues. And then she wrote two fiction books um, about a character that's very much like herself. Um, But they sound really interesting in a John Grisham kind of way. Right. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, so her website is, I went there to kind of get more information and you don't get a lot of information about her life. It's really like, this is my work and this is what I am focused on and what I believe in, you know? Um. And then she also had another television show based on her as a character. Right. Um, the television show Rebel with right. Katie mm-hmm. Seagal. Yep. Um, it right. only lasted for one season, but and I only saw like two episodes, but it was really good. I mean, Katie Seagal is amazing. Yeah, she, she is. is. Absolutely. So she's had, you know, these two amazing actresses play her. Um, and she's very, you only need to watch like one interview with her to see that. I mean, Julia Roberts just nailed it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like what you see in the movie is really what you get in a lot of ways. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is totally awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. Thank you, Amber. You know, that's, it's, it's funny to, um, you know, hear stuff like that. Cause now I had no idea she wrote all those books. Oh, now I got to go check out her website. That's yeah, me too. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a hoot. I'll tell you what, I loved surfing all over there. <laughs> and there's like a form you can fill out if you have a problem. It's very, it has like an A-team vibe. Like, <laughs> nice. If, if you're dealing with an issue, fill out this form and I will give you a call. You know? That's too funny. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. Uh, David, how about some production history on this wonderful movie? What you got for us? Absolutely. So the film came out in 2000 and was produced by Universal and Columbia Pictures. Um, as Amber touched a little bit based on there, it is based on the real life of Aaron Brockovich. And as she stated, who claims the film was 98% accurate. Uh, for those who have not seen it, uh, it is based on her life being a down on her luck mother with three kids who can't make ends meet. 
She tries to sue someone that wrecks into her car and fails, so she forces a lawyer she had to give her a job for compensation. While working here, she discovers a case that will not only change her life, but many others around her. It's a fantastic film. Directed by a very busy and still a very busy Steven right. Soderbergh. Uh, looking at his list is like crazy how he has time to do anything else. Um, but he was attracted to this script because of its linear approach, um, an approach he largely avoids as a director. Um, but, you know, he was very attracted to it, and which is why uh, he took it on. Uh, film was written by Susanna Grant, cinematography by Edward Lockman, with one of the producers, as we mentioned, being none other than Danny DeVito. Right. The film would star Julia Roberts. Uh, this role earned her the first woman to break the 20 million barrier. Right. And would win her the Academy Award for Best Actress. Um, it would also star the wonderful Albert Finney. Yes. He initially turned down uh, this role. Um, but uh, Danny DeVito had to convince uh, the girlfriend of Finney uh, <laughs> to take on this role. And I'm very thankful uh, that she did convince him to do this because he was just fantastic in this film. Yes, he was. Oh, loved him. Loved him. I, I love him. Everything he did. The guy is awesome. Uh, sadly, we, we lost him, you know, a few years ago. But still. Right. Um, also starred uh, Aaron Eckhart. Uh, Kankata, I think is her name. Kankata. Kanchata, I think. Kanchata yeah. Farrell, yeah. who everybody knows as Berta from Two and a Half Men. See, I know her for Mystic Pizza. That's the first time or I Mystic ever saw Pizza, her. Yeah. Yes, She's absolutely. Great. Great she is wonderful. And uh, Marge, Marge Helgenberger, and, and obviously a few others who pop up right. throughout the film. Uh, music was by Thomas Newman, uh, which I do kind of want to talk about the music a little bit later, but we'll get to that. Sure. Uh, the, the film would be shot in 1999 and would take 11 weeks to shoot, with five of those being in Ventura, California. Nice. The film had a budget of $52 million and would earn $28 million opening weekend and would go on to earn $126 million during its run. Clearly a successful film. Clearly. <laughs> it was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Albert Finney, Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, and of course, it would win Best Actress for Julia Roberts. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Um, and, and Cheryl Crow has two songs in the movie, too. She does. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love Cheryl Crow. Sorry. I just no, had to no. throw that in there. Uh, all right. Very cool. So um, there is a lot to talk about in this movie. Yeah. And uh, because. Uh, I've watched it twice in the last um, two weeks and it's wow. It takes you on so many different emotional places. And I, you mm -hmm. know, it's just one of those movies that uh, makes you laugh, makes you cry a little bit, get you angry. You know, you almost cheer at times. So um, let's just start off with some likes uh, Amber, something you like about the movie. I'm sure there's many, but just give us a few. Um, well, the first thing is that um, I think there are, actors that um they have their way of doing things and mm -hmm. um you know as i said i kind of tend to like that because it's expected and you know what you're kind of getting into but i always find it fascinating when they meet up with a director that is able to break them of all those habits right and so one of the things i think that is just so great about this movie is that julia roberts is not quote unquote, Julia Roberts in this movie, she had made this huge career off this specific personality. Right. Um, and she really sheds it almost completely and isn't afraid to be unlikable. 
and <laughs> real, you know, in, in a lot of ways and really aggressive. And mm-hmm. she has, um, as a single mom, I relate, right. She, um, walks around like with a lot of tension in her face, um, all the time. She's not smiling, trying to win people over. It's I'm busy and I have a lot to do and I don't have a lot of time to do it. And right, that right. shows in her face <laughs> and the way she carries herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just love that about her performance. It's just, I related to it so much from the very beginning, um, you know, just as a struggling single mom. And I saw so many very, very real things yeah. um, in her performance. Yeah. And then the other thing that I just know, I mean, like I said, I've seen this movie like 20 times. Um, but I just watched all the president's men the other day yeah, and made such a connection watching this movie to like the tedium of building a case mm-hmm. from the bottom right. up and having to go door to door and coerce and coax and charm and convince people to trust you and slowly pull this information out of them and build those relationships and and lots uh, of sexual favors to get the signatures right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i don't think Warren bernstein had to do that um but uh i i had never made that connection before and i right that really hit me this time was just how well the movie really showed that you know and i now have to go back and talk to this person again and mm-hmm. right. you know just that relentless um, you know, work that goes into when you're dealing with people and it's very high stress um, situation and they've already been betrayed. Right. So, you know, to build a relationship and build that trust, um, you know, is quite the challenge. So I thought this movie did that really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, Julie Roberts performance in this, I mean, you know, a uh, few years prior to this, we got her in uh, my best friend's wedding. And, you know, of course we mentioned mystic pizza already. And, you know, she was, you know, she was the rom-com and, you know, comedy person hadn't really, I mean, yeah, she did sleeping with the enemy was probably um, a little bit darker for her, but at the same time, she was still that quiet, um, you know, she was, you know, being abused. She was a quiet character. So it wasn't much of a breakout. This one is completely different. Uh, personality mm-hmm. and man her performance is so good like you can see and read every emotion that she's going through yep. uh there's um i mean i, I love how <laughs> you said she was unpleasant i i thought her um her you know straightforward attitude was was great you know because some people just deserve to get yelled at you know <laughs> they just, they just, yeah they, they i love her it. but yeah. i also love the fact that she's willing to say you know what this is the job that i want right. and you know i'm not i've compromised plenty and i'm not doing it anymore right and if you don't like it i'm so sorry yeah she's, um, at, that, she's at that point where you know two divorces you know the don't the two guys don't even care anymore she had all these dreams and everything was taken away from her so yeah She's going to be upset. She's going to be pissed off. And, you know, it's, it, you know, and just the way she carries, she carries herself, you know, like um, in the interview, the very first interview, very first thing we see her, um, you can tell she's trying so hard to convince this doctor just mm-hmm. to give her a job. And then he, and then he hesitates to get, and then her face just changed. Like, I know where this is going, you know, yep. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh my God. 
but there's a there's one particular uh scene i want to mention real quick uh when she starts all the interviews and she's going from house to house and talking to the different people um and it's the family the mom dad and the little girl uh mm-hmm. annabelle oh i love that scene i know right yes. and oh. she's talking and she's kind of you know saying real sweet things to the little girl yep you know about how she's a heartbreaker and everything and then Soderbergh does this thing where he does a slow zoom mm-hmm. in on Roberts and then over to Annabelle, back to Roberts, back to Annabelle. And it's like, even though Julia is smiling, there's just unbelievable sadness in her eyes that match the si- sadness in Annabelle's eyes. Yep. And it gets to your heart. And then he continues that slow zoom on the next shot, which is her driving mm-hmm. the same look. You can just tell she's digesting everything she just saw. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to start crying just right now i mean we haven't even got to the really horrible stuff just yet and this is yeah it's great great couple shot scenes and she totally totally uh sells that emotion oh yeah you know, the smile and then the sadness at the same time it was great absolutely that's, that's one of the things that's so brilliant about you know being a photographer myself is when you're able to move a camera in the film and your audience doesn't notice it Right. Because it's adding so much more drama and tension to what's going on to the performances. When you don't notice that camera movement, and then you know you've nailed it. And you're right. And that scene, brilliant on, on the camera movements of going back and forth on that. It just added so much power uh, to that scene. Yep. Absolutely. Great. Yep. Great scene. And right. I think that's a lot of what happens in this movie, too, is a lot of things. He Soderbergh allows you to make inferences. Mm-hmm. he yeah. doesn't like there's that's one of my complaints later on is there's a lot of exposition <laughs> but um he does have the ability in certain scenes to let that exposition go and let you figure out you know like with the chicken fat lady you know you know from the minute you see her she's a horrible nanny. <laughs> yes she's like the worst nanny in the world yeah. you know so but you didn't have to see anything other than the expression on her face. Right. You know, right. to know that that happened, it, 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 you don't have to belabor it. Yeah. You know, so I like those scenes that he adds in that are just, he lets people just kind of live the moment and let you figure out, you know, and connect the dots. Yep. All right. David, you got something, some likes for us? Yeah, actually, I've got a, a, quite a few, um, but I'm, I'm going to keep it down to a couple here. Um, <laughs> well, so, you love a movie so much. It was kind of hard to just narrow it down. It is. Know? I know. It I is. Know. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I, I loved about this film in, in the you both of you nailed it with the performance that Julia Roberts did, because first off, let me talk about her uh, her acting skills. And as I told you earlier, was never really a big Julia Roberts fan. But as Amber touched on this, this wasn't really Julia Roberts in right. this film. Um, she became Aaron Brockovich in this film. And I think that's why I'm drawn to her performance more in this one than any of the, some of the other ones that she did. But anyway, the beginning of this film is something that you would typically think would be a very slow draw opening. Like you would get bored pretty quick. But the performance is done so well with her interview that it just it pulls you in so quick to who she is as a character right. that, you know, you know what's coming later on in the film and just her down on her luck just everything just seems to just get like a domino effect there at the beginning you know things just yep. keep going wrong 
you know, and you're just like, my gosh, what else could go for wrong with her? And then all of a sudden she gets hit, you know, <laughs> she's leaving. You're like, really, really? But um, no, I absolutely love that opening and any other movie, it probably wouldn't have worked, but it was just done so well that it was so good of an opening for this film. Yeah. Um, but the other scene that I just absolutely love is the scene that she's in the car. She's really, really tired. And she calls George. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Gosh. And yeah. Yes. And she, he explains to her about the baby saying her first word. Ball. And she, yes. Ball. Ball. <laughs> yes. You can just see the emotion in Julia Roberts' face as she's driving. And she's trying to hold back all these emotions as she's talking to George. And George is just explaining, going on and on, you know, doing what he's supposed to do, trying to keep yeah. her awake, keep her busy. But, you know, but he's kind of having the reverse effect, too, because, you know, she's a wreck right now because yes. of what's happened. Yes. So, but I absolutely love that scene. But that could have been scene. such a one-note scene. Yeah. Because it could have just been her crying because she missed it. Yeah. Right. And instead, you get to see her be excited because she said her first word and proud and and sad and devastated. Yeah. Yep. It, it you breaks know, my heart. That scene breaks that my heart. Arc. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's a... You know, that's one of the things that's um, so good about her performance is, you know, she is a little uh, difficult to deal with. Um, and yeah, she says whatever comes to mind. But at the same time, what she's going through, you do feel for her. You you see yeah. her situation and it's not like she's not, she doesn't want a handout. She doesn't want given, given anything. She just, you know, wants a chance. And yeah, she does try to sue the the guy that hits her, which she should have because, you know, whatever. And that actually will get to one of the things I don't like, or one of the scenes I don't like, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but she convinces you to like her, even though she's kind of abrasive. Mm -hmm. And then when she's dealing with the, doing all the research and meeting all these families, you believe her feeling for these families and these people. And then you start to believe it too. You start to believe in their cause and, and you start to feel for the families. So yeah. she really, really just sells her, the whole performance. It's amazing. Well, when she blows up, uh, you know, to uh, Albert Finney's character, I mean, I, I feel so nervous. Which time? But but there's, you, you feel so stressed and nervous when you're watching their scene. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. You feel so <laughs> nervous. And, you know, like you just, I would hate to be, her yelling at me but right? they do it so well i mean you know it just shows in her performance because it made me feel like that you know yep. yep yeah well they they argue and uh i can't remember it's it's after one of the different uh trials and one of the different things happens and you know he's like you know she he's getting so mad at her and he, and he goes f you and she's f you too and they just start laughing i love how she keeps you know trying to you know you know you know, gouge him for more money. I want benefits. I want this. Right. You know, it's, it's ongoing. It's so, so good. It, yep. You keep bringing it back. It's, it's great. It's great. Um, and let's just take a moment uh, to talk about Aaron Eckhart's hair and beard, man. Was he rocking that or what? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> I think, but do you probably, realize how good looking you have to be to have that face furniture and the ponytail and the tattoos yeah. and the, all this, that, and the other. And you're still like the hottest guy in the room. Like, yeah. holy cow. he pulled it off. Yes. He, did. He, was, <laughs> he, was, he was rocking it for sure, man. Yep. You know, it was just too funny. Uh, uh, but yeah. It's um, one, uh, one of the things I really liked about the movie was with such a serious topic. And we've talked about this in other ones. You have to have some levity 
because it can't be so serious the entire time. Mm. And we've mentioned the, her and Albert Finney going back and forth and that, you know, that humor there and um, which helps because without it, you know, it'd just be like too depressing to watch. I don't think you can make it through this movie. Right. Um, even yeah. as good as the performances are without the, without the humor, without the jokes, without the back and forth. And even when she like, you know, tears into somebody, you're still kind of like, yes, <laughs> you still yeah. kind of laugh and like, yeah, you know, I mean, you need that. And it was a very, very good uh, combination. It wasn't too much of anything. And it just kept it interesting and kept it uh, easy to watch and keep going. And yep. like I said, you know, I could go back and rewatch it. I just watched it before we started recording. And I could go back and watch it again and, and enjoy it so much. So absolutely. All right. Well, we already covered one of my other scenes. So um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Let's talk about the entire cast because mm-hmm. you had so many, you mentioned uh, Marge uh, Helgenberger. I can always, I always mess up her name. Me too. Um, <laughs> uh, man, my heart gets kept breaking for her, yeah. you know, like yes. the, there's that scene when um, Julia Roberts goes back and she's sitting in bed and she found out that she's sick again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and basically she says, you know, you know, I've had everything taken away from me. Can I, am I still a woman? And, you know, and, and Julia Roberts makes that joke. So yeah, you're, you're happier because you don't have to worry about maxi pads and all this other stuff and <laughs> underwires. And I'm like, and I'm just looking at her going, I'm going to cry. I'm just going to mm-hmm. cry for this poor woman who's just, you know, and out of, I mean, there's lots of, uh, you know, families that we feel for, but man, um, which they keep going back to that family in particular, but uh, man, her performance is, is dynamite as well. Just mm-hmm. absolutely great. And I mean, they're all they're Everybody in this is talented, but you know, it says something about the director when you can get such brilliant performances out of so many people on set you know right that's that's tremendous i mean it's it's a lot of people to get work in the same way Um, right and even the even the creepy guy um uh, we all know what i'm talking about is it the The water guy the guy that walked over the water well yeah well he uh he walked up to her at the um in the bar in the bar and also at the the cookout yeah and it turns out (laughs) yeah and it turns out he's actually the you know the missing piece they've been looking for um and i love that part like he shows up and you're just like okay he's creepy just like she's like i thought he was gonna kill me and then i thought he was just gonna pick me up but he actually (laughs) and uh you know when she calls him from the from the payphone that scene was hilarious but um Mm. they set that up and so well like he comes up to her talks for the barbecue and you're like okay weird and you know and it's just things like that um pacing and placement yep. and he, he drops something in earlier and comes back to it later and just his performance was really really good both creepy and and sweet and sad like he says my my you know my brother died i'm like oh my god it was brother it was, or cousin 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 yes it's, and i'm just like oh geez <laughs> it was almost like it was almost like a misdirection you know yes because when and aaron brockovich got that that call threatening yes her, Right. And then when he popped up, you thought, well, this is the guy that made the phone call to her. You right. know, so it was almost a little bit of misdirection there. And I really like that. Yeah. Very, very smart. Very smart. Yep. All right. Anything else? Any likes? Anything you want to mention? I mean, um, um, one little thing that I did notice was every time there's a scene in Hinkley, yeah. there's a beverage in the scene. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I and didn't it's notice such- that like a natural thing 
to hmm. go to someone's house and they offer you something to drink. Right. Um, yeah. But because of what we're dealing with, it just becomes this kind of in the background reminder. Yeah. You know, yeah. This constant reminder of, of this very, you know, pervasive threat that right. it, yeah. it touches everything. You just don't realize. Yeah. They even made a cup of coffee for Albert Finney's character, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, didn't pick that up, but yeah, that's yeah. great. And cause it isn't a normal thing, but yeah, now that you know what's going on with the water, it's almost like when, uh, you know, she's you know, freaks out and tells her kids to get out of the pool. Yeah. So she realizes the water. Yeah. 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 When we get to a favorite scene, that's my absolute favorite scene. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> because um, it's so geez. Amber. Yeah. <laughs> it's so real. Yeah. You know? And that's because through the whole scene, you've got the kids playing in the pool in the background mm-hmm. and right. you know what she's getting ready to tell her. And it's like, it's such, it's so full of suspense and, you know, you feel like you're watching a scene from jaws or something because they're <laughs> in Get the water. this yeah. danger. Right. And then the Mark right. Helgenberger just freaks out. Yeah. And once, you know, you know, it's, it's too late. And what are they going to do? They're never going to take a shower again. They're never going right. to, right. You know, drink a glass of water again but that's you are completely behind that reaction yeah, yeah. and to go back to the speaking of the drinks when uh she offered the the lawyers the water the pt oh, water yes. and they said oh, by the way <laughs> i love that, that scene too that's one of those scenes um it didn't quite make my favorite but mm. i love that scene when she starts asking you know well what is your spine worth what is your right uterus worth and you're just and you could Albert Finney at first you can kind of he's like he's worried and all of a sudden he kind of goes no I'm just gonna let her go yeah, let <laughs> yes. her go starts to smile and then the two other people that are there with are just kind of like all right they're all smiling too and yep the look on yep. that woman's face when she picks up that glass and she tells her that counselors counselors Let's be honest here. $20 million is more money than these people have ever dreamed of. Oh, see, now that pisses me off. First of all, since the demur, we have more than 400 plaintiffs in. Let's be honest. We all know there are more out there. They may not be the most sophisticated people, but they do know how to divide, and $20 million isn't shit when you split it between them. Second of all, these people don't dream about being rich. They dream about being able to watch their kids swim in a pool without worrying that they'll have to have a hysterectomy at the age of 20, like Rosa Diaz, a client of ours, or have their spine deteriorate like Stan Bloom, another client of ours. So before you come back here with another lame-ass offer, I want you to think real hard about what your spine is worth, Mr. Walker, or what you might expect someone to pay you for your uterus, Miss Sanchez. Then you take out your calculator and you multiply that number by 100. Anything less than that is a waste of our time. By the way, we had that water brought in special for you folks. Came from Well and Hinkley. <clears throat> You know, I'm like, drink it. Go ahead and drink it. You know, right? That's <laughs> yeah, that's a well, great. Well, you can scene. watch the lawyer go. Like, one sip's not going to poison me. Maybe, maybe. So, yeah. do I go through with it and drink it, or <laughs> am I really concerned that I'll die? Right, right. <laughs> very, very cool. Yes. So, well, um, 
then why don't we go ahead and talk about favorite scenes since Sorry. Amber already blew hers. No. <laughs> well, you, blew you can come up me. with a, you can come up with another one. That's okay. You can have another yes. one. There's there's there are so many because like I said. Oh yeah. I started writing them down and I wrote one down and I wrote another one down. And it's yeah. Like, okay. What you about can keep that going? Yeah. yeah. There's so many because my favorite um is actually at the end of the movie when she goes back uh, to their uh, to the Jensen family oh, and yeah. tells her how much money they're getting. Yeah. You know, and she brings uh, uh, George with her and that scene, I don't care how many times I've seen this movie. I still cry mm-hmm. at that because the, the, everything they've gone through and she's just like, you know, thank you. I can't believe this. And, you know, it's a good day. I'm like, yeah, it's a good day. You finally got some justice and, yep. you know, wow, that, that scene gets me every single time. And it's a long way to get to it. <laughs> there's yeah. other stuff to go through, but I mean, you know, there's that one, and then a very close second is when they show up um, with all the signatures. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Ed, Aaron, what's this? May I? Yep. Go ahead. Well, you know what. Mr. Potter, we completely forgot your birthday this year, and seeing as how you've been so good to me, it seemed a terrible oversight. So what Ed and I have been doing the last few days is putting together a present for you. 634. They're all signed. Every single one. Holy shit. Now don't go getting jealous, Teresa. Jealous. We have something for you, too. Internal PG&E documents, all about the contamination. The one that I like best says, and well, I'm paraphrasing here, but it says, yes, the water's poisonous, but it would be better for all involved if this matter was not discussed with the neighbors. It's to the Hinkley Station from PG&E headquarters. Stamp received March 1966. How did you do this? Well, um seeing as how I have no brains or legal expertise, and Ed here was losing all faith in the system, am I right? Oh, yeah, completely no faith, no faith. I just went up there and performed sexual favors. 634 blowjobs in five days. I'm really quite tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they tell and they tell uh coyote's character you know i brought your we brought your present because it's your birthday and uh you know the whole thing and you know it's like you know 641 you know blowjobs i'm, I'm quite tired and yeah. i'm really tired. i'm really tired <laughs> yeah. i was i was laughing so hard i i you know i i missed the beginning of the next scene i'm just yeah. kind of laughing so hard because the looks on their face is like how did you do this and Oh my God. I Even just, the look on Finney's face right? when she said that, it just, yeah. it just, it made it. Yeah. It's like all the sexual favors. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I mean, just everybody's. And then the, the one, uh, he's probably a paralegal or whatever sitting there. He's just laughing. He thinks it's great too. And yep. I'm just like, it's like, I like that guy. That scene just is so funny. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's just like at that point, it's so her. We've seen mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. upset. We've seen her attitude and her jokes and everything. But man, that scene was just perfect, you yeah. know? And <laughs> to go back to the one scene you were talking about at the ending, uh, I like the fact you mentioned George. I like the fact that she took George with her because yes. he even said, Why am I going? It's just because I want you to see what this was all about. Yes. And I, I thought that just added so much more to that scene because he got to be there and witness. Uh, her tell her that they had won the case and how much money she was going to receive. 
Yeah. And it's like, I really liked George. And then, I mean, I, I, I understood why he was upset and why mm-hmm. he left. I get that. And then he was still kind of cold to her when he came back to watch the kids for, right. um, so yeah, with her saying, this is what I was sacrificing for. You need to see this, you know, I'm glad he did get to see it Yeah, because, you know, it's like, I really liked his character. And then he, I mean, then he leaves and like, turned into ah. a typical male. Yeah. Run. <laughs> Which, you know, it's, you, I, I, like I said, I understood his plight. It's like, he was just kind of there. He was the babysitter. So mm-hmm. you kind of understand, but at the same time, he needed to see the bigger picture. And by her taking him there and seeing, this is what you were a part of. You were a part of helping all these people. Right. So it was important. So, yeah. Yep. But yeah. I did love the fact that this is, a movie about a strong woman, strong yes. female mm-hmm. character. And if the situation had been reversed and this was about a man, the wife would have had the same complaints that Aaron. Eckhart's yes. Oh, absolutely. Does. Yeah. Um, but probably wouldn't have left. No, you're probably, probably right. Probably would have just been the long suffering wife that's yep. unappreciated. Probably right. still would have gotten the scene at the end. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you helped me do. Right. Yeah. You know, but it would have just been a completely different arc. And the idea that he had the freedom to walk away. Yeah. Right. You know, and the options to walk away. And if this had been a different story, you know, it wouldn't have probably wouldn't have gone down that way. So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I got to be honest, I didn't feel that sorry for him. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You want to so, go? Go. Whatever. So, I mean, so, get point, out of here. He has been screwed over by so many men. I'm like, eh, fine, get out. Whatever. So, so George was not your favorite character. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> he was not my least favorite character, but um, he was not like any kind of savior or hero. Which I was right. okay with that too. She didn't. Oh yeah. Oh no, we didn't want that. Yeah. No. Savior. Mm-hmm. You know, no. she right. didn't need a man to support her while she did this. You know. Yeah. So. Um, I was fine with him the way he was, but yeah, when he wimped out, I was like, yeah, peace out. Yeah. <laughs> David, do you have a favorite scene? I got quite a few favorite scenes. You go right ahead. <laughs> Lay them on us, but man, because there, there are so many. There are. My my favorite scene is we kind of already touched a base on it with the uh, PG and E lawyers coming for the first time. Right. Um, and just the the look of Albert Finney's face when he realizes that they're there and he's like, Oh, here we go, you know, and, right, you know. So, and that's when he pulls the other two right. uh, to go in with them. So it looks like they're lawyers too. Right. So you just had, yes. he has a team of lawyers, you know? I love that game of like, yeah, we're going to stack our side of the table. Yes. Too. Right. Wow. Loved that. And then just when, when Aaron Brockovich just took over uh, that meeting, uh, you know, he finally just sat back and just let it go because he knew who she was. Right. Uh, and, you know, she was controlling it and just was owning those lawyers and yes. just go for it. I just, I love that scene very much. And like, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when she was just yelling at somebody, I kind of felt nervous and stressed. I'm like, and did their job. But that's one of the scenes that I sat back and was just smiling. And yeah. just like, she was just tearing into them. And I loved, loved that. And I, there's another scene too that she tore into was, uh, I think her name was Teresa. Yeah, Teresa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When they when first she tore into there. her. Yes. Yeah. They talk um, about the, what's the phone numbers? Yes. 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 That's and a great freaking started, scene, man. You know, uh, giving the numbers and stuff off the top of her head. I yep. I, I love that scene too. It just added. We already knew who Aaron Brockovich was by that point, but it just 
added so much more because you have this new team coming in who thinks they're going to run the show. Right. And they're going, they're going to take it over. And Aaron wasn't going to have any of that because, you know, um, Albert Finney's character was kind of letting it go. Yeah. You know, Ed, Ed, Ed was his character. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he was just letting it, letting them take over, you know, kind of letting taking the back to a seat, but she was like, no, no, this isn't going to happen. So she owned that scene. Those are my files. Yeah. We had them couriered over and, and listen, good work. They're a great start. We're just going to have to spend a little time filling in the holes in your research. Excuse me, Teresa, is it? There are no holes in my research. No offense. They're just some things we need that you probably didn't know to ask. Don't talk to me like I'm an idiot, okay? I may not have a law degree, but I've spent 18 months on this case, and I know more about these plaintiffs than you ever will. Aaron, you don't even have phone numbers for some of them. Whose number do you need? Everyone's. This is a lawsuit. We need to be able to contact the plaintiffs. I said, whose number do you need? You don't know 600 plaintiffs' numbers by heart. Annabelle Daniels. Annabelle Daniels, 714-454-9346. Ten years old, 11 in May, lived on the plume since birth. Wanted to be a synchronized swimmer, so she spent every minute she could in the PG&E pool. She had a tumor in her brainstem detected last November. An operation on Thanksgiving shrunk it with radiation after that. Her parents are Ted and Rita. Ted's got Crohn's disease. Rita has chronic headaches and nausea and underwent a hysterectomy last fall. Ted grew up in Hinkley. His brother Robbie and his wife May and their five children, Robbie Jr., Martha, Ed, Rose, and Peter, also lived on the plume. Their number is 454-9554. You want their diseases? Okay, look, I think we got off on the wrong foot here. That's all you got, lady. Two wrong feet and fucking ugly shoes. And they kind well, of set up the numbers. Well, kind of blow it off like it was a misunderstanding and Aaron was being rude. And mm-hmm. really, it was Teresa was being rude. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, she was. And had an absolute preconceived idea of who she thought Aaron was. And Aaron was like, you're going to underestimate me at your own peril. And yep. Yep. That's exactly you know, what I, happened. <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of peril in that scene for sure. Absolutely, there was. <laughs> but uh, with that one, and then um, the other scene that we already talked about, when about her baby's first word. Uh, yeah, that, that that one is up there towards the top for me because you know, I choke up every time that scene happens. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 painful and sweet and all kinds of things at the same time and. Yeah, you just you just want to go give her a hug, like you know. Yep. And it really kind of emphasizes uh, her struggle and all the things she did give up um, to help these people and do what she knew was ultimately right. So right. Yeah. Yep. So I, real quick. Well, and they, like you said, like you want to give her a hug, and you also want to remind her that, like, you are being a good mom by being good at your job. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, do and it. by doing everything that you're doing, you are still being a good mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was setting an example for her kids of what's you know between right and wrong. What's what's you know to stand up for people that need your help. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. yep. Um, I like how they set up the numbers thing with the phone numbers and all the illnesses. Yeah. When she first meets George, and says, you know, I <laughs> yes. got some numbers. I got some numbers for you. You know, you know, six <laughs> is how old my daughter is. Eight is how old my son is. Like, I'm like, oh my god, that's so funny. 
and you flash forward to, you know, the phone numbers. I'm like, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Just, you know, a lot more weight, obviously on what, you know, with the, uh, with Teresa, because she's telling her, I know all these people, I know all their illnesses. I've done all the work, you know, and yep. apparently two left feet and ugly effing shoes. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I love the callback that you get at the end too. Cause at the beginning when she loses her car crash lawsuit, right. Oh yeah. He tells Ed, uh, they, they teach lawyers, lawyers how to, to apologize. apologize yeah. You suck at it. And then yeah. he throws it back to her at the oh, end. Oh yeah. Yes. And I love that little, that little yeah. wink. Uh, do they teach beauty queens how to apologize? Because you suck at it. That, yep. Yeah, that was very funny. And once again, you have to ask yourself, um, did that happen or was that a written in there? Because, you know, uh, you'd like to think it was written. You know, because I don't know. Liam feels like he waited for like three years to throw that back in. Her face. <laughs> like he always kept that in his pocket for the perfect moment. Right. Yes, that's probably true. Probably <laughs> true. But yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, um, like I said, when I was going through to try to write down my favorite scenes, I would write one down, and then next scene come on. Oh, well, that one's. Good I know. Too. I mean, it's tough. There's and so the real challenge for me was finding a dislike or at least favorite scene. Mm-hmm. So I do have a dislike. So, um, and I have a least favorite scene, which I could take or leave, but the dislike is there seems to be a continuity mistake with her car accident. Okay. So she drives away from the, you know, the, the curb gets, mm-hmm. in, you know, goes to the intersection, the light turns green and then the guy runs the red light and hits her. Right. Okay. So, but in court, she says he came around the corner oh, out yeah. of control and hit me. I'm like, um, he ran a red light. There's it was an intersection. There was no, as far as you could tell, there's no corner. So that kept bothering me. I'm like, <laughs> but but he ran a red light. That's all you should have to. He ran a red light. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if when they shot the car accident, they just set it up wrong because it doesn't look like he came around a corner he looks like he ran a red light so that bothers me like every time i watch it, i'm like but that doesn't make sense i didn't think about oh that God. but you're so right i know it's just like <laughs> that's not what happened so then you know you no wonder she lost you know <laughs> yeah. that's not what happened um so anyway that 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 just kind of distracts me every time i yeah. watch it because it's not it's not what happened so anyway <laughs> all right all right so so a dislike Besides, besides the car accident, that's not right. <laughs> Mine's kind of a double-edged sword. We we talked. Okay. We already talked about uh, George. Um, we didn't want George to, you know. I, I wanted a little bit more with George. I wanted to know more about his background, you know, who he was. But you have to be careful because this is stories about Aaron. It's right. not about George. So you know, that's the only thing I kind of just. I wanted a little bit more of George, but I understand why they didn't do it because. Um, you didn't want him to be seen as any kind of hero. You didn't want him to see anything that would overtake uh, Aaron's story. So um, th- that one's kind of a, of a, a double-edged sword for me. Yeah. But the only other thing that I dislike is I, I kind of wish, and again, I see how, why Steven Soderbergh went with it, but I, I kind of wish we would have seen the judge's decision instead of them pulling up to you know let them know what the court decided of the case. Um, I, I see why yeah. they did it because it seemed to be a little bit more dramatic to the, the, the story, to the film, you right. know, them going and telling her how much she won. So I understand why they did that. 
So um, I, I guess it, it that could go either way. Well, with the judge, you could have had him them sitting there and him say, yes, I've made my decision. And then before he says it, then you cut to them driving on the road. So you could still True. kind of have the setup and then yeah. you get the payoff when you still. So that way we uh, we find out when uh, the Jensen family finds out, too. So but I yeah. see your point. You're right. And as far as the George, um, I agree. He was an interesting character. Mm-hmm. It didn't really give us a whole lot. Um, and to me, it would have been nice to see a little bit more. But you're right. It's a very fine line because yeah. at, at what point uh, does he become more interesting? I mean, not that with with all the personality that that woman had, I don't think anything <laughs> he would have done would have made her made him more interesting. Right. Um, but it's similar to what we we're saying with um, uh, Road to Perdition and American Gangster. The the love interest didn't get a lot of play in this one either. And yep. uh, so, yeah, it would have been interesting to see, you know, because where does he go? Yeah. When I mean, I mean, as he still lives next door, because remember when they're he's with she's with the baby and they hear the motorcycle and they go outside and he's driving off. Right. And so it's like, that's just weird. Him living next door after they break up. That's yep. got to be that's got to be weird. <laughs> not easy. Yep. No, not easy. All right. Amber, do you have a dislike? Um, just like nitpicky kind of things. Um, there's a lot of plot exposition. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I have a really hard time. The more scenes that you get of somebody telling somebody else how things work, um, you know, the, the more exhausted I get. Um, well, and so I don't know how else you could introduce all this information that you need without it. but. Um, you know, one of my favorite things, you know, workarounds to that is in Jurassic Park when they have Mr. DNA. Like, that is <laughs> yeah. the cleverest way to do an information dump without having two people just sitting there telling you, you know, this information that they read in a book. And um, so I wish that maybe there could have been at least one scene that was handled a little differently where you could have gotten the same information. Like I love the scene, um, the visual scene when she's first uh, copying the documents at the waterboard. Yes. And yep. Soderbergh gives you all the information that you need just by watching the copy machine. Yes. Yep. Which is brilliant. It's, it is brilliant. To yeah. The relevant words. And that's so brilliant. So I wish there could have been maybe one other scene like that. Well, I, I mean, we could have had Mr. Legal brief. <laughs> um, but one one thing i thought about that because you're right there is a lot of exposition but i think uh, especially with this uh with the town meeting mm-hmm. when he's trying to explain to them um and i think we need that scene because we need to feel how confused they are um and that's kind of why i think that's there because it truly is um a lot of work like you mentioned earlier how much research they have to do like when she's you know she's climbing down those you know, gutters and down the, you know, and the, trying to get things that water and the picks up the, the uh, dead frog and things like that. Um, and then, you know, when they're, she's explaining to him, you know, they're looking at that photograph of the layout and the pool, you know, the ponds and everything, you know, we need to know all that. And I don't know, you know, yeah, I don't know what the, yeah fix to that is. I mean, Soderbergh's a genius, so I'm not going to say, yeah, but yeah, right. Yeah, totally straight it up. But, but yeah, I see your point. I do see your point because at some point you're kind of like, and maybe it's on purpose. So we kind of go, holy crap, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of stuff. 
you know. And then t- tell me what you think about this. I did kind of feel like watching it through this time. Um, and I hadn't really felt thought about it before. Um, it kind of reduces the plaintiffs to like a list of diseases. Well, a list of, like horrific things that happened to them. Well, okay. See, um, Peter Coyote's character tried to do that, but then, um, with the phone numbers scene, I think we yeah. bring it back to, you know, back to the people. Cause that's what she was doing was, you know, do you want the list of their diseases? Do you know, this person's lived here and they have brothers. And so I think depending on who's talking about it, like with, uh, um, Teresa and I don't remember the Peter Coyote's character's name, but him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There it's very sanitized with them. And same with the, you know, the utility company, you know, it's not about the people it's about, you know, numbers and whatever. Yeah. So, that's a good yeah, point. I see your, I see your point, but yeah, that's how I looked at it was depending on who's talking about it, you know, and how they look at it. Cause to, cause to Aaron, it was definitely, they were people. Yeah, you know, and even to yeah, because she leads off with Annabelle talking about how she wanted to be a swimmer, and that's why she was in the pool all the time. Right, right, and even sometimes with Ed, they were just plaintiffs. They were just, you know, so whenever Aaron's talking about them, they're all they're all people. So, yep, Yep. okay, good point. So, um, let's talk about least favorite scenes. I I only it took me a while to find one that I kind of wanted to kick out. Um, does anybody have a least favorite? Want to go first? I will because I hate this scene. Okay. I hated it since the first time I saw the movie. The, the scene where she comes in, she took a sick day and she comes in because she has to like pick up a piece of mail or something. Right. And I can't remember what they're fighting about, but she ends up getting into a fight with Ed. Um, I think because he's bringing in those other lawyers and she felt like he was doing it behind her back mm-hmm. and she, this is like her Oscar reel, you know, and she's screaming, that's my work, my time away from my kids. And I just feel like it's so, it's like a cliche kind of scene. See, I and actually really I love just, that scene. I just gag. I'm like, oh God, here's your little pull-in Oscar drama moment when everything else that she does in the movie is so genius level work mm-hmm. with you know without all the hysterics so that's the one i've never liked i could totally do without it okay well i like that scene so <laughs> <laughs> well i do see your point it, it was a little more over the top than she has been but i chalked it up to her being sick and also feeling betrayed because fair. they were, yeah. they were yeah. talking about they were talking about the case without her yes you know? that's fair um but yeah i see your point yeah it's she was definitely on a different level at that you know, for that scene <laughs> for yep. sure. Um, but yeah. Okay. What about you, David? Least favorite? Really didn't have a least favorite scene. Just okay. just what I talked about, you know, not hoping we got to see the judge making the decisions. Probably the only okay. thing, you know, I know it was not a scene, but still that's about really the only thing. Um, there is one scene that I kind of feel we can do with completely without. And that is with uh, when Teresa goes to interview uh, the family, um, Annabelle's family. Oh yeah. Basically it's like, well, you know, why don't you tell me everything basically that you already told Aaron and I, I see the point, but right after that, you know, we get the phone call from her family to Aaron explaining this and well, she asked all the same questions mm-hmm. and yeah, I know she's kind of cold and whatever. So you're basically getting the same information from the phone call that you got from the interview. Yeah. And the only thing you really get from that interview is the look on Annabelle's face. 
So to me, it was uncomfortable. Um, and it, it was completely unnecessary because we got the same information from the exact, from the next scene. So to me, it's just a wasted three or four minutes that could have been put someplace else. Yeah. I, I, I see why Steven kind of did that. I mean, I, I see both sides of it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Steven kind of did that, you know, as to make it look like uh, Teresa and the other lawyers are this cold collective um, lawyers who don't care about anything. Right. And it was almost like a, a stab in the back to Aaron and them because of the, you know, we don't believe you. So we're going to go and get all this information again ourselves and just repeat the same steps that you're re- re- repeating. Right. So I, that's the way I'm taking it anyway. It, it almost felt redundant, but yeah, I see you it. Know. But right, then yeah. again, I'm not Steven Soderbergh. So like, <laughs> but right? I, I, it was one of those things that on a re on a recent rewatch, I was just kind of like, well, why do we have this? Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but that was like the only thing I had to dig. That was like one of the last things I wrote down after watching it again. Right. Like, well, that one I can do without. So, you yeah. know, whatever. I would like to say, good to go back before we go any further. Um, when we talk about dislikes, okay. uh, I, I did mention uh, a little bit when I was talking about the history of the film, I wanted to go back to talk about the music. Uh-oh, you didn't uh, like the music? That, that, that Thomas Newman did. Okay. Um, I, I felt that his, his score wasn't as strong as it should have been in this film. Okay. There were parts of, of, of some scenes that the music was reaching a pretty good crescendo and it was, it was okay. But when, when I look back and I, I don't know, it could have been a directoral decision to say, Hey, you know, I don't want your music to be too overpowering, powerful that it, it takes away from the story, which that does happen in, in a lot of films. You know, yeah. you want the music to be quiet in the background. You don't want it to overpower uh, the film. I just felt there was times uh, that we could have got a little bit more score from Thomas Newman. Um, you know, he did the, as you know, we, we talked about road to perdition and his, his score for road to perdition is just amazing. Oh yes, it is. And I felt he could have done a little bit more in this film than what he did. Um, again, it might not have been his decision. It might have been Steven Soderbergh to say, hey, you know, back it down a little bit. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. But to me, um, I, I felt like we could have got a little bit more, a better score from Newman. Okay. All right. That's that's unusual. Usually you're very, you know, rah-rah yeah. score. So, yeah. So I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to listen. To, I'm going to have to pay attention to it next time I watch it. Because <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't even, I just knew it was there. Mm-hmm. To me, it didn't seem to, because sometimes, you know, scores help you feel more emotion. This one, I guess, to me, like you said, it just wasn't there. It wasn't very right. prominent at all. So, okay. And that could have been on purpose. Yeah, it could have been. You're I'm right. I'm kind of a proponent of less is more in a kind of movie like this. So I felt like the only time they really used it a lot was like when she was driving in the car mm-hmm. to have just kind of ambient noise. Yeah. Um. So to your point, like it really wasn't really emotion stirring or anything, but I wasn't sure that I needed it. Yeah. So it didn't bother me that it wasn't there. Yeah. See, I'm still gonna have to watch it again to listen to the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna have to there pay attention. There's something else to pay attention to. I know there, there really is. is. There really is. Another excuse to go back and watch it. That was, I don't need that many excuses. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh let's talk about favorite characters. Ooh. Um, I'll be waiting for this one. Okay. All right. Well you go ahead and go first. Ed Masery <laughs> is by far my favorite character in this movie. Um, I, just how Albert Finney presents him, he, you know, he has this this lovable nervousness about him that when you know he's confronted by Aaron Brockovich and almost anybody would on how he just <laughs> you know he's like looking around and you know, people are like looking at them and she's making this big scene. Um, 
But just some of the scenes that I would like to call out is when he was with the PNGE lawyers and they, they say, do you know who you're dealing with? A $28 billion company. And he turns and looks, he goes, a $28 billion company. I didn't know it was that much. Wow. <laughs> I love that. scene. I laugh every time that he says that. Yeah. But, but then when you guys talked about earlier, the ending one, when he gave her the check yep. and he was walking away and he says, do they teach beauty queens how to apologize? Because you suck at it. I, the look on his face was priceless. He was <laughs> just he so happy with himself. Dance as he yeah. walks away. Yes. Yeah, right? Yes. He was so happy with himself. It was awesome. Yeah. But and every I love scene, the he was scene where she says they're called boobs, Ed. And yeah, he right? does this like, <laughs> of course, the first thing you're going to do is look down. And he does <laughs> yeah. play like he doesn't know what to do. Right. Yes, oh, but every scene he was in, and even the scene where he had to talk to everybody about why they were going to do to do the court case the way they were going to do it. Right. Because you thought that there's no way he was going to be able to do this without having Aaron Brockovich stepping in to do that. But he did it. Yeah. You know, and he did it so well. Um, but I, I've always been a big fan of Albert Finney, so I was really glad that he was in this, and I just thought he knocked it out of the park in this Yeah, film. Yeah, he was... It was very good, very entertaining. And yeah, it, it's like at first you're kind of like, uh, he's an ambulance chaser, you know, almost like you're thinking not much of him. And right. Um, he has a nice character arc. That's for sure. Cause at first he doesn't want to take this on and, you know, and uh, you, you don't like him because he fires her and everything else. So, but yeah, by the end of the movie, you definitely love this guy. And, yep. you know, so yeah, great. He did a great job. I mean, it's Albert Finney, but also, yeah, right. Good, so. But like almost completely unrecognizable because he has such a, you know, old school British actor charisma to him. Right. He does. And, you know, he's playing this kind of nerdy, tired old lawyer. (laughs) Who who would have been in Palm Springs if it wasn't for Aaron. Right. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Amber, favorite character. Um, I love her kids. Okay. All right. I love the kids. Any scene with her and those kids, I just think is priceless. And, um, you know, she's very natural with them. All the scenes feel like they're just improvised Mm -hmm. with the kids just being themselves and her reacting to whatever they give her, Um, which with the baby, it probably is real. Um, (laughs) But uh, the young actor who plays her little boy, um, just kills it in the scene where she he's mad because she didn't make it home for dinner, yeah. and she yeah. goes in and tries to talk to him. Like the contempt in the word <laughs> "fine," right. like if you have never heard your child say that to you, you're not really a parent because, <laughs> like, we've all been there. We have all screwed up. We've all tried to talk to our kid, and they just fine. <laughs> it just. Slays, and then the beauty of the scene at toward the end where they're in the hotel room. Oh yeah, reading that document, and he is his mother in that moment because George is like, "Come on, let's go. We gotta go get breakfast." He's like, "Yeah, I'll be right there." Yeah, because he's not going to stop reading this until he's finished. Right, and she asks him to put it down because she doesn't want him to mess it up, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, just a second and then when he's done he asks her about it and his empathy is awakened right by this conversation which is that's exactly how she relates to all these people and he's so his mother's child in that moment yeah you know and all that anger just kind of 
fades away and he says they'll bring her eggs, you know, right. and I just, every scene with those kids, I just think is a delight. See, I like the scene when she's going to the office with them and he's, yes. ask, he's asking about, you know, plans so he can go to roller hockey and she's like, I don't care what other mothers, you know, just kind of, <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I have heard and seen that argument so many times and so many parking lots and it just, you know, I don't care what the other parents say. Cause you know, it's not, I, I just, I love that. It's, scene. it's probably easier at their house. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she doesn't work. And you know, like, it's yes. like, so funny. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So yes, that's a good call. The kids. All right. So mine's a minor character, but um, I loved her in every scene she's in. It's the, uh, it's the, I, I couldn't find her name. I feel bad. It's the secretary. Um, the receptionist. Yeah. The receptionist. Yes. Because the blonde. yes. With the glasses and the, you know, the yes! things. They, okay. She I was, she was the first one to kind of, uh, she's the one that turns on the light for Aaron when she's reading. Remember yes. she says, yep. you, you know, yep. you're reading that all day. I'm a slow reader. She turns on the light. And at that point you can kind of tell, okay, they're accepting her. And then when she brings the kids in, like the, the conversation we just had about them arguing in the parking lot, she puts a little bowl of candy up on the counter, looks at the, looks at the daughter, like, go ahead, get some candy, you know? Right, and, yeah. and then, uh, um, and then when she, you know, Aaron comes in when she's sick, she says, I thought you're taking a sick day. And it's just every, every line she delivers, she's just like that, that grandma you want, you know, yeah. that and, yeah. and, and at the, the, the new office, she answers the phone and she's like, does anybody know anything about these new phones? I just, <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it, and as such a, a small character, but yet she still has to be believable as that, you know, older woman receptionist, you know, oh, yeah. you know, has the candy in her purse and you know all the, the dangle i don't know she was just so much fun to watch and <laughs> and i she made me smile every time she was on screen so i'm the receptionist is is my favorite character nice that's awesome <laughs> any final thoughts on this wonderful movie about I, you know honestly what i love about it ultimately it's i mean it's a true story so it's not mm-hmm. just the movie but it's the fact that somebody in that situation you know twice divorced mom single mom you know, three kids just really having a tough time is able to use her wits and use what she has and finds a way to make uh, her life and her kid's life better. Um, So it's not quite the American dream story because, you know, not everybody wants to be a lawyer or wants to work at a law firm, but through her, I mean, she did it. Nobody handed this to her. She was able to, you know, use what she had and and had had was driven and knew what she had to do and pushed herself and you know here here we are they made a movie out of her so that says something you know because a lot of people don't get movies made about them and she did and uh so that alone i mean for her and the movie that's just that's just amazing and wonderful so absolutely that's my final thought (laughs) yep and if anybody else keeps putting this movie off don't watch it it's well worth to be seen oh absolutely yeah. And I love that it really, it's a very real snapshot of very real people. Yep. Yes. Um, it, it's real life. It's real struggles. And, you know, sometimes you win. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, a really sometimes. great, that's I mean, a really great story to tell. Yeah. Yep. And she got to be in her own movie. She was the waitress. Yes. She was the waitress. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and Ed Massery is in there too. He's over Julia Roberts shoulder. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, in the booth behind her. Oh. Well, see, I didn't catch that. Thank there you. There we go. Let's go back oh, and I watch like it again. Idiot. I missed it. <laughs> Damn it. I missed I'm it go, too. I'm going to put that scene back in. 
right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much, guys, for joining me and talking about this movie. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Had you. A lot of fun. And uh, so uh, thanks to everybody that listens. Uh, it means a lot that people take the time to either download it on their favorite app or stream it or whatever. And so that's awesome. And it makes us feel good that there are people out there listening to us. So thank you very much. And once again, you know, like, subscribe and do all that kind of fancy stuff on your favorite podcast app because it does help us ultimately. And uh, as I like to say around this time, when it comes to watching Aaron Brockovich and any of your favorite Julia Roberts movies, Albert Finney or who else, physical media is better than streaming. Talk to you next week. Thank you. This has been the Docking Bay 77 podcast. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Or you can send us an email, Docking Bay 77 Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs>